Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Kyle Spizak Show. I'm your host, Kyle J. Spizak, and this is not a radio show today, but no, this is a podcast because, you know, it's winter break. But an exciting episode here today as Monday marks my favorite day of the year, traditionally, as it is the college football playoff championship. That's right. The CFB championship takes place at SoFi Stadium on Monday night with a little bit of um, some wishy-washy things going on with that, not allowing tailgaters to tailgate in the parking lot before the game. Absolutely ridiculous, if you ask me. But it's LA. What do you expect? They're going to pull something like that anyways. And this is probably the last time they'll ever have a college football championship there because of these dumb rules. But also, good luck stopping Georgia and TCU from tailgating. Two deep south schools, you're not going to stop them from tailgating. College football is quite literally their entire life. But that's beyond the point, as we have some really interesting things going into this game. Obviously, recapping a little bit of what happened last weekend. The TCU Horned Frogs, number three in the nation, upset the Michigan Wolverines. 51 to 45 in a game that was really, really back and forth and kind of all over the place, honestly. Nobody expected TCU to take a 14 0 lead in the first quarter, but they did. And then Michigan battled back with six in the second, 24 in the third, and 15 in the fourth, but it wasn't enough to take down the Horned Frogs. As Max Dugan, kind of an under par performance from him personally, honestly. 14 for 29, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But the rushing really led the way for the Horn Frogs. Amari uh, Demerico, sorry, took a while to pronounce that one. 17 carries, 150 yards, one touchdown, 8.8 average. Dugan had a good rushing performance, two, two touchdowns on his own, 15 carries, 57 yards. So not a ton of yards, but two touchdowns that really helped the Horn Frogs take the lead over the Wolverines. And if we look at the Wolverines, J.J. McCarthy did not play a bad game. 20 for 34, 343 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions as well, and a rushing touchdown to add on to that. Obviously, not having not having Blake Corum, big, big, uh, wow, I can't speak right now, sorry. A big uh, step backwards for the Wolverines with their leading rusher out. But still, Donovan Edwards, 23 carries, 119 yards, not bad at all. But this game was really an interesting one to watch. Back and forth the entire way, flip-flopping leads, and it was just, it was one of those games that kept you on the edge of your seat the entire time that it was being played, whether it was, oh, Michigan fans being like, yep, we're going to pull it out, or TCU fans losing a little bit of hope, and then seeing Dugan and the the Horned Frogs come back from behind, take the lead, lose it, take it back at the end, it was just in such an entertaining game to watch and there's obviously a huge controversy at the end of the game with the targeting call that wasn't called so I can't call it a targeting call what should have been a targeting call see I'm a Penn State fan so I'm not the biggest fan of Michigan but you can't deny the fact that that was 100% a targeting call he hit the tight end straight in the back with the crown of his helmet and that was it's you can't get around that I don't know how they didn't get a call on that, but they 100% should have. It should have been called a targeting, which honestly could have changed the tide of the game. Michigan could have rushed down the, ran down the field a decent bit with the yardage from 
the targeting call, having the cornerback out from the targeting call, and getting a little bit of momentum going forwards. It could have been it could have been a game changer, honestly, if they did call it. But I don't think it would have been. I think TCU would have held out because Michigan would have had to score a touchdown there. Uh, a field goal would not have put them in the lead. But just a really good game to watch overall. And a lot of people are doubting TCU now going into the national championship. I see a lot of Bama fans, you know, Bama fans complaining like usual. Everybody that listens to my show knows that I have a severe problem with Alabama's fan base because I think that they are just extremely cocky and think that they deserve the world all the time. A ton of them were like, oh, yeah, no, TCU shouldn't be in it. They're not a real team. I mean, they're in the championship. They beat number two Michigan, who hadn't lost all year until TCU took them down. And Alabama lost two games this year, and they almost lost two more. They almost lost to Texas in the first game of the season. So I don't know what else to say to Bama fans, but they really did not deserve to be in there this this year. Yes, they did blow out Kansas State, who did beat TCU in the Big 12 championship. But football's a week-to-week game. Every week, you can go in and you can play a horrible team and get upset. I mean, Tennessee upset. Not saying Tennessee was a horrible team. They were a really, really good team this year, especially with Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. They were outstanding this year. But still, Tennessee hadn't beaten Alabama in forever. Alabama upset got upset by Tennessee. They, But then, guess what? Tennessee goes and they lose to South Carolina. It's a game that really depends on the week. Some weeks you're on, some weeks you're off, and there's it's there's no way around that. So I don't think that because Alabama blew out Kansas State, who beat TCU in the championship, I don't think that means TCU doesn't deserve to be there, especially since Kansas State lost to TCU in the regular season. TCU is a solid team, and I think they do believe they do belong in the college football championship. They beat Michigan, who, like I said, hadn't lost up to that point. They showed grit all season long. Dugan wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season. He was the second string. He comes in during week one because of an injury to the other quarterback, and he just took over the rest of the year, made himself a Heis- the runner-up Heisman candidate. It was it was a solid year for TCU, and to say that they don't belong to be deserve to be there, I think that's just ridiculous. But if we take a look at the other game in the college football semifinal playoffs, Ohio State-Georgia, that might have been an even better game than Michigan was. Obviously, the Michigan game, nobody expected it to be that high scoring. But how about the Georgia Bulldogs pulling off the upset at the end uh, over the Ohio State Buckeyes? See, yes, the ending was crazy, but we'll get to that later on. I think just the fact that Ohio State put up 41 points against Georgia was insane. Because Tennessee went into Georgia averaging 50 points a game, and they only put up 13 against the Bulldogs. To be fair, yes, Kirby Smart did even say after the game that Georgia just played horrible that game. And he wasn't wrong. Their defense did not look like their defense normally does. It was a very lackluster game on behalf of the Bulldogs' defense, but they still managed to pull it out towards the end. And honestly, Stetson Bennett didn't have a good game really overall either, at least in the first half of the game. Uh, one of the one of the analysts I like to watch quite a bit, Paul Feinbaum, college football fans, you all know who Feinbaum is. Excuse me, but um, he even said Stetson Bennett might be the greatest fourth quarter quarterback in college football of all time. Yes, he is 25 years old. I'm aware of that. 
a lot of people like to use that against him and being like, yeah, you're 25, you should be dominating these kids. But here's the thing. Ever since the COVID eligibility, obviously, players got an extra year of eligibility because of COVID and stuff like that. I feel like there's going to be a lot more older players coming into the co- into college football throughout the years. I think that it'll you'll see a lot more players playing until they're 24, 25, 26. I mean, hell, the one tight end from Oregon, he's in his ninth year of eligibility right now. So I don't get why people are all on Stetson Bennett for it. And not even just that. Yes, he's 25. He started as a walk-on in 2017, I believe it was, transferred, played two years at a JUCO, came back to Georgia as a walk-on once again, and he didn't even get a starting chance until last season when JT Daniels got benched for Stetson Bennett. So yeah, yes, he's old, but this is technically, in all reality, if you look at it, this is only Bennett's second year in D1 football, really, because he didn't start until last year. He didn't play until last year. And in his first year, he led his team to a national championship. What's he doing year two? Climbs from behind a huge deficit against Ohio State and then manages to bring his team to another college football championship. So I, I'm i not saying that I'm the biggest fan of Stetson Bennett, Georgia, or whatever, because I'm not a Georgia fan. I've stated it before. I state it all the time. I'm a Penn State fan, but I do think Georgia is the best team in college football. Their defense didn't play good. Kirby Smart said that, like I just said, and Stetson Bennett didn't play the greatest either. If you take a look at that, at his stats, 23 for 34, 398 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Yes, that is a good stat line, but if you watched the game, the first half of the game, he was not playing that great. It was the fourth quarter he really took over and propelled the Bulldogs above. If you take a look at the quarter-by-quarter breakdown, Ohio State scores 7 in the first, 21 in the second, 10 in the third, 3 in the fourth. Bulldogs defense stepped up huge in the fourth and really got it back together. Georgia, on the other hand, no points in the third, only 7 in the first, 17 in the second. So they are trailing all the way until that fourth quarter where they put up 18 points opposed to Ohio State's 3. Obviously, we all know the ending of that game. Ohio State has the perfect chance to try to kick it in, get the win, and he just absolutely shanks the kick there. Um, Jack Pudelunsi, I I can't pronounce that, I'm sorry, but 50% on the day, 2 for 4, 32 was as long. He got 10 points, yes, but he really dropped the ball for Ohio state on that one. I mean, it wasn't the greatest field position for a kick ever though. They had the chance to get the ball down in more, try to push down the field more, make it an easier field goal, but they didn't bad game management from Ryan day. They should have been running the ball, trying to get down in running the clock down. I mean, they ran the clock down. Well, obviously Bennett just had to take a knee with nine seconds left to win the game. But they tried throwing the ball a few times, which was ridiculous in my opinion, because you're just trying to get in field goal range. Why risk the interception? Yes, you do have C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is a fantastic quarterback. But to put that on him, he played. Yes, he did ball out all game. I won't lie. He, he. Again, I'm a huge Ohio State hater because Penn State fan. But Stroud played a really good game, other than a few key moments where he kind of didn't didn't pull together as he should have in my opinion 
I'll talk about that in a little bit. But you, you bad play call from Ryan Day. They should be running the ball down, trying to get some extra yardage, pad the field goal for him, because it was about a 40, 45-yard field goal that he ended up shanking left. That's a lot of pressure to put on your kicker with the game on the line, a trip to the national championship on the line, and you put him from 40 yards out when you could have been having him kick it from 25, 30. I feel bad for the guy, honestly, but I also don't because I don't like Ohio State at all whatsoever. But what a way to end that game. Exactly at midnight, he kicks the field goal and shanks it left. The Bulldogs, 2023 New Year's miracle for them. But going into the game a little bit more, some things I want to talk about. One of the big talking points, I talked a little bit about the TCU one with the targeting call that wasn't called. A lot of people were upset about Marvin Harrison's hit that he took. And I don't, I I get if you're an Ohio State fan, yes, Marvin Harrison's your wide receiver one. He is incredibly talented. He is one of the best receivers in college football already. So yes, having him go out was a huge game breaker. And he wanted to come back in the game. The medical staff told him no for in case of a possible concussion. But if you slow down the play, a lot of Ohio State fans were really, really upset and saying it's ridiculous that it wasn't called targeting. But the thing is, they throw the targeting flag originally, right? They go back, they review the targeting call, and they decide that it was not targeting. You slow down the video, you watch it, you can see that it's a clear shoulder-to-shoulder hit. There was no head contact, it was all shoulder-to-shoulder, and it was a good defensive play. Honestly, Stroud kind of threw him a hospital pass on that, and that's one of the points I was going to talk about, about Stroud kind of not not doing what he should have in that situation. Giving Harrison a hospital pass where he gets blown up, and a lot of people were like, well, he shouldn't have hit him. If he doesn't hit him, he catches the ball, and that's a touchdown. The whole point of a defense is to prevent the touchdowns. The ball touches Harrison's hands, and then he gets hit. It's not like it was pass interference where he hit him before he had a chance to make a play on the ball. He had the chance to make the play on the ball. It was in his hands, and then he got hit, dropped the ball. It was a really good defensive play from Georgia. Yes, it was an extremely hard hit, and you don't want to see a star player like that go down. Nobody likes to see anybody get hurt on the field. But it's part of the game. It's a contact sport. There is going to be hard hits. And it, and they were saying that he should have avoided the hit. When you are running towards him at full speed, you see the ball coming down. Do you know how hard it is to try to avoid that at that point in time and get out of the way? It's damn near impossible in all honesty. So I find it a bit ridiculous that people were going at him saying that he was, he was an intentional target. He was trying to injure him. He was making a play on the ball for his team. That's part of football. Injuries happen. It's a contact sport. There's no way around it, unfortunately. But yes, it does suck to see Harrison go out because he is such a skilled receiver. But luckily, there was no report that I saw, at least, of him being concussed from the hit. So that's a good sign for Marvin Harrison Jr. And Ohio State going into next season, obviously, they lose C.J. Stroud now as he's eligible for the NFL draft and he declared for the NFL draft. Where he'll go, Interesting. This it'll be interesting to find out. A lot of people are projecting him going to the Carolina Panthers. A lot like Mel Kuyper project, projects him going to the Panthers. Bryce Young's a projected number one pick going to Houston. 
I like Will Levis personally, but we're, this isn't an NFL draft show. We're talking about the college football playoffs and the national championship. But we look at that game, really just a great performance from both offenses. I mean, receiving Harrison Jr. before he gets hurt, five receptions, 106 yards, two touchdowns. He is just insane. He can run routes like no other, just great hands, great speed. But on the other side of the ball, Georgia's receivers did what they had to do too. Kendall Milton, absolute wheels on that man. Kenny McIntosh, he was just wheeling. I mean, we saw that one, um, sorry, brain laps. But we saw that one play, Stetson Bennett finds him wide open, launches it out. To, he just dusted the defensive back like it was absolutely nothing. Goes right around him, or no, not McIntosh, I'm or maybe it was McIntosh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it was Arian Smith, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong stat line there. Arian Smith just absolutely dusts him. Gets a perfect pass from Stetson Bennett. Nobody was stopping him on that one. Just cooks his way right into the end zone. And that was a huge fourth quarter touchdown for the Georgia Bulldogs. And a great play, honestly. And it helped them get the lead over them, which we know then led to the shanked field goal. Georgia wins. And a lot of people were talking about home field advantage. Yes, it. even though it was played in Atlanta, which is right next to Athens, I'm aware of that. It's still considered a neutral site. The destinations are picked well in advance before. Mercedes-Benz almost always gets one because it's such a, a nice venue. They almost always get a game there for the playoffs. And people were talking about the oh, college football bias them or whatever. The first seed every year gets to choose their destination where they want their game to play, be played. So Georgia, yeah, if you have the choice, if you're the number one seed and you have the choice to play in Atlanta, which is right next to Athens, or play over in Arizona, of course you're going to take Athens or Atlanta. Why wouldn't you? It makes the most sense. And it was a lot of Georgia Bulldog fans. They're probably mostly Georgia Bulldog fans. There were a lot of Ohio State fans, but – Obviously, it being in Georgia, there's going to be a lot of Georgia fans. The atmosphere is going to be going crazy, and it was. It was a fantastic game. Alabama does the same thing. When they're number one, they usually try to pick a game that's going to be played in Texas because it's so close to Alabama, and their fans can get there easier. It There's nothing wrong with that, and people just complain about anything. Anytime their team loses, they'll find any way to complain about it, say it's rigged, blah, 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 but whatever. The national championship is the most neutral site you can possibly get pretty much because Texas and Georgia, both Southeast, I guess you could consider Texas, Southeast, Southwest. I don't really know, honestly. I don't know what you'd consider Fort Worth, but they're going out to California, which isn't really exactly close to either one of them. But that's going to be a really good game, I think. And I think it's going to go a lot different than most people are projecting it to be. A lot of people are projecting that the Bulldogs are just going to straight blow out TCU. Right now, they are 12.5-point favorites for the national championship right now. I think it's going to be a closer game than that. A lot of people thought TCU was going to get blown out against Michigan. They won that, and it was a high-scoring game. Georgia proved that they can score a lot of points because usually they don't have to. Usually they can just take over in the first half of the game and kind of cruise the second half and just hand off the ball. Another thing that people bash Stetson Bennett for, they say he's just a game manager. Well, 
what's the problem with being a game manager when you make back-to-back national championships in your two years as a starting quarterback? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's just a good system quarterback. And a lot of NFL teams like system quarterbacks. So I don't see the whole... I don't see the whole knock on Bennett for that either. But it's going to be a really good game, I think. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Obviously, TCU's defense isn't exactly the greatest. But I think that they'll be able to hold their own against Georgia. The TCU offensive line is massive, and they're going to have to put up a big fight against the Georgia Bulldogs defense, which has been so dominant all year up until last game with against the Buckeyes, but they picked it back up in the fourth quarter. Like I said, only allowing three points in the fourth. And it's another offensive team that they're going to be going up against TCU. They have such a good receiver core where they don't really have one receiver that gets over a hundred yards. Again, they don't have like a Marvin Harrison where they're running a hundred running receiving. Sorry a hundred yards per game or anything like that. Their whole receiver core all comes together to put them in the lead and help them get to such a good record this year of 13 and one. If you look a lot of their games, they have five, six, seven receivers that get receptions, but none of them will go over a hundred. They all stay in that 50 point, 50 yard to 75, whatever, up to 90 yards. They, spread the ball out well which makes it so much harder for a defense to cover because if you have six seven receivers that can be thrown to at any point in time that's going to take a lot of attention off of your number one receiver Marvin Harrison yes he did torch defense uh, Georgia defense but they know Harrison's the number one guy they're gonna have to put a lot of attention on him with TCU if you have six seven receivers that are all solid and can all produce for you that takes a lot of that puts a lot of stress on the defense to figure out who they want to focus their coverage on. And obviously Dugan's a great quarterback and he's just been balling out all year long. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than people project. I think Georgia does win it, honestly. If I'm being honest, I think Georgia wins by maybe within a touchdown to 10 not I won't even say 10 points. I feel like Georgia will win within a touchdown. But I feel like it's going to be a hard-fought game. I don't think the winner is going to be really proven until the fourth quarter when one of them, the team takes over and just rides out the clock till the end. But I'm so excited for this game. I love college football. It's always sad for me when it comes to the end because it's my favorite part of the year, watching college football. But the national championship is the most electric event in the nation, in my personal opinion. So... We will have to wait until Monday night to see who gets reigned victor of college football this year in the national championship game. So thank you all for listening into the Kyle Spizak show today. We will be back in action regularly in about two to three weeks once school starts back up and we'll be on the radio waves, not necessarily just a podcast. But um, stay tuned for a bunch of college football stuff it's gonna be a lot of draft talk coming up to that point recruiting for next year I'm still a college football nerd that's gonna be the primary talking point of my shows no matter what so thank you all for watching or not even watching this is a podcast so for listening and if you're a Oswego Laker take a look at some of the games going on right now 
There's some huge games. Men's and women's hockey are just rolling. Men's basketball is really good. Women's basketball is a huge improvement from last year. So support your Lakers, and I will see you all next time.